Hi everyone, Happy Lunar New Year and welcome to another episode of Providence Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Jean, your co-host for today. And today I have Chris here with me and we'll be discussing about the various compensation methods for wealth advisors. Hi Chris, thank you for joining us once again. Wow, you look like really like Ang Pao, ready for you. (laughs) Yeah, ever ready. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean whoever is listening to this, uh, well done uh, because this is Chinese New Year. So you're listening to this on a Monday which is like the third day, right, of the Chinese yeah, New Year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well done. So, so what are we going to study? Uh, study. What are we going to talk about today? <laughs> so in today's episode, right, we'll be uh, delving into the complexities and nuances of the various compensation methods for mm. wealth advisors. Okay. So I mean, I know that you have a wealth of experience in the financial advisory industry. So we would like to understand more about the different compensation methods exists in this industry. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about compensation since I think 2003, 2004. Uh, I wrote an article uh, back in 2003 talking about compensation. Wow, then I can now center because of that. Okay. Well, firstly, it's a very controversial, uh, controversial subject. And then, of course, back in 2003, 2004, uh, I was a lot younger. So mm-hmm. I wasn't very careful with uh, the posture, my language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's still a very controversial subject um, and a lot of misunderstanding uh, because after more than 20 years when I go out there and when I talk to people, I mean, people are still using the wrong terms la, in terms of mm. compensation for advisors. Yeah, so it's good to talk about it. Yeah, okay, sure. So, uh, so can you just share like the different compensation methods and also mm. uh, while you're sharing it, maybe the advantages and disadvantages of each of them? Yeah, so I mean, there are three ways that uh, financial advisors or wealth management firms, they are compensated. But there are mm-hmm. four ways that individual client advisors are compensated. So we need to differentiate um, the, the two groups, right? First will be the firms. And then the second group will be the advisors la, mm-hmm. that work for these firms. So for the advisory firms, the first way, of course, uh, everyone knows this, is the commission-based approach. In the commission-based approach, the wealth management firms they are not compensated unless a product is transacted, unless a product is being sold, right? And once the product is sold, the principal, the supplier, the product manufacturer of these products will pay the firms a commission, right? So that's the first way. The second way would be fee-based, right? So for fee-based, wealth advisory firms may charge the client a fee and usually the fee is not a big fee, right? And then... Over and above uh, these fees that they charge, when the client buy products from when the clients buy product from uh, them, uh, the firms get paid commissions as well. So they are paid fee plus commission. Okay. Right? So this is the, the most common, I would say, misunderstanding because a lot of people will say, "Oh, Provident, you are fee based, fee based, fee based." Mm. But we are not fee based, right? Because fee based. And I'll say it again, fee-based means that the firm will collect a fee, but at the same time, they also will receive commissions. Okay. Right? They're not totally commissions-free when someone says they are fee-based. For Provident, we are fee-only. Mm. That's the third way that an advisory firm can be paid. Right? And fee-only means that we only take a fee, we only charge a fee for advice, or clients pay us a fee for advice. We don't take any commissions at all. We don't take any kickbacks. Right, so for Provident, you know, I mean, Jean, you've been with us for uh, quite a number of months now, and you know that uh, even when we work with, say, for example, mortgage brokers, uh, after we arrange the loan uh, for the client through this 
brokers. Uh, when the brokers wants to pay us uh, a commission, uh, we say no, you don't pay us a commission. Mm, you, yeah. you just pay it back to our clients because we don't take kickbacks. When Provident first started uh, 20 over years ago, we don't take trailers from uh, the funds that we use for our clients. So we rebate trailers back to our clients because we don't uh, take these kickbacks. Uh, currently, we use custodian banks, private banks, to uh, manage some of our clients' money, our, uh, those clients that are high net worth or ultra high net worth. Right? So actually, the private banks will also pay advisory firm sort of like a fee sharing from the custodian fee that they collect from their clients. But because we are a fee-only firm, we don't take the kickbacks as well. Right? We just give back the sort of the rebate of the custodian fees uh, back to the clients. So that's fee only. Yeah. You're supposed to be very clean. You don't take kickbacks, you don't take commissions um, and all these kind of things. Now, how about the advisors that work uh, for these firms? Right? So for advisors, well, they can be commission-based. Most advisors in Singapore are commission-based. They can be fee-based as well. So advisors can charge a fee and they take commissions as well. They can be fee-only as well. Mm. Very few advisors in Singapore are fee-only. When I say advisors, I mean the, the human advisors, the client advisors that work for these firms. Very few are fee-only, right? Um, and that brings me to the fourth way client advisors are paid, salary, right? So as you know, Provident, uh, all our client advisors are salary-based, right? So the firm, Provident, takes a fee for advice, but our client advisors, they are paid a salary, they are paid uh, performance bonuses, just like uh, any employee uh, out there. So... Three ways advisory firms, the way, uh, three ways advisory firms are paid and there are four ways the individual client advisors uh, are paid. Thanks for sharing that. Um, can you also share more of like the disadvantages and advantages of each of these methods? Yeah, so I think for commission-based, I think it's very clear. <coughs> it's not just what I say. Uh, it's actually in the Financial Advisors Act that commission uh, has that uh, inherent conflict of interest. Mm. Right. So if you are a commission-based or rather if you work with a commission-based advisor or you work with a firm that takes uh, commission, yep. uh, even if the advisors are salaried, there will always be that potential conflict of interest. Now I need to say that I'm not saying that if you are a commission-based advisor or if uh, as a company you take commissions, you are bad, you are unscrupulous, you are no, I'm not mm. just I'm not saying that, right? I'm just yeah. saying that we need to recognize that if you are commission-based, whether you are the company or you are an individual advisor, there will always be that potential conflict of interest. Right? Because uh, clients will never know when a product is being recommended to them, uh, whether it is for their good mm. or it is for the advisors or the company's good. Yeah. Right? Now, the company and the advisor may genuinely want to do a good job. Right? And they genuinely recommend, prescribe that product um, uh, out of a good heart and really out of good intention and really it's actually very good for the clients. But it doesn't take away the fact that there is a potential conflict of interest la, mm. with commissions. La. So that's the disadvantage. The main advantage is that, well, as a fee firm, after being uh, in a fee-only business for more than two decades, um, the one thing I do recognize is that not everyone can afford to pay a fee. Not everyone needs to pay a fee for advice. 
right? Especially for the common man in the street, their financial situation is actually pretty simple. Right? There's really no need to pay uh, an advisory firm like us to do all the complicated work mm. you know, and pay a fee, right? So um, for a commission-based advisor or a firm, I think the advantage is they grant access to the common man in the street. Right? Um, they don't have to pay a fee. For fee-based, um, actually, I scratched my head for a long time. Uh, and since 20 years ago, I have been struggling to come up with uh, a good reason or the advantage for fee-based. Because actually, there are very little advantages for fee-based, right? Because, uh, well, I think it is advantageous uh, for the firm. They charge a fee for advice, and the client walks away, well, they get paid some money. But usually, like I said, the fee is a small amount relative to the commissions, right? So for a fee-based firm, usually they are still quite motivated to want to transact that product uh, so that they can get paid more, right? So the fee-based model doesn't totally take away uh, that conflict of interest. Uh. For the client, um, if you are paying... If you, are, if you are going to a fee-based advisor and you are thinking that, okay, there is independence in fee, I would say no, okay, because, um, like I said, at the end of the day, the, your advisor is still collecting a commission, mm. right? However, if I can really think of an advantage, it would be that, well, um, at least you can get uh, advice-only kind of advice. You pay a small fee to get advice. And if you don't want to buy any product, you can walk away and hopefully you get good advice because you pay the fee. Mm. Yeah. So that these are the uh that few advantages. If I can squeeze out, you know, it's like a sugar cane, uh, no more no more water. I still need to squeeze out something. Then I'll say these are the very small advantages for fee based. But otherwise, to me the fee based method is a stuck in the middle kind. Yeah. For fee only, um the advantage is very clear. I mean, it is the best model to mitigate conflict of interest because the fee-only firm, they don't uh, take commissions. They are not conflicted in that manner. But the problem with fee-only firms is that because we charge a fee and the fee is usually not small, mm. then only the more affluent can gain access to the service of an advisory firm, of a fee-only advisory firm. Yeah. So uh, these are the advantages and disadvantages and if I touch on one more, which would be the compensation structure for an advisor's salary base, right? Now, for salary base, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, a lot of times, people tout their advisors to be salaried. We do as well. Uh, to be independent. But it may not be true. Because if the company takes commission and the compensation structure of the advisor, even though they are salary-based, the performance bonus is based on the volume of sales. Mm. How much commissions you bring into the company. Then you can be salary-based, but you, are, you can also be conflicted. Right? So, uh, I would say these are the features, these are the advantages and disadvantages of the various compensation model. Mm. Okay, so, you know, I think it's very common... I, I do get friends, right, like coming, you know, sometimes we talk about financial advisors. Then they say things like, you know, like the financial advisor, they're not sure whether 
they have you know they have their financial they have their you know that clients interest at heart mm. or have their own financial interest at heart mm. so I mean you have touched on like commission based fee based fee only so you know obviously like like you say commission based fee based there is that inherent conflict of interest so I'm just wondering like um a client advisor in such um you know under such compensation methods how do they mitigate you know, such conflict of interest? And how do they ensure that they place the interest of the clients above their own financial interest? Yeah, I mean, of course, the cleanest is to go fee-only, right? And I'm not saying that fee-only will mitigate uh, every conflict of interest out there. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of other things. Uh, I mean, we can discuss it another time, but uh, it's not uh, for this session to mm-hmm. discuss about. But fee-only clearly is the best way to mitigate a potential conflict of interest because... You, you don't take commissions, right? But uh, if you take commissions, uh, then it is the responsibility of the advisor or the advisory firm to make sure that whatever potential conflict of interest that may arise from commissions, you mitigate it. I'll give you an example. Right? So uh, as a company, uh, you may be taking commissions. Your advisors can be salary-based then I guess it is the company's responsibility to structure the compensation model such that the performance bonus, the variable compensation of the advisors are not linked to how much commission your advisors bring in. Mm. Right? So that's one way to uh, mitigate uh, that conflict of interest. Um, another way to mitigate conflict of interest is to state very clearly your stand with the various products that uh, you believe in. For example, uh, let's talk about insurance. Um, so for insurance, you know we advocate term insurance, right? But the problem with term insurance or not the problem, right? The, the, the issue with term insurance for sellers is that term insurance, usually the premium is, amount is quite small mm-hmm. as compared to other plans like whole life or even ILPs and all that, right? So from a commission standpoint, from a commission standpoint, there might be more motivation to push a whole life plan over a term plan, right? So I guess if you're an advisory firm that really believes in mitigating conflict of interest, and if you really believe that term is better and you want to make sure that, okay, not term is better, term term is more suitable, Mm. right, in certain circumstances, right? And it's the most affordable way to get someone covered. If you truly believe in that and you want to make sure that your client advisors, uh, they do the right thing, uh, then you might have to set a certain policy that all the advisors will have to follow. And you might have to go out there openly and tell your clients that this is what we believe in. Mm. Right? So uh, these are just some of the ways to make sure that uh, if you, your firm is taking commission or if you as, you and a, as an advisor is taking commission, you put in place things mm. to mitigate. To t- I, I think the first thing is to tell the client, look, I know, I know there, is, there is a conflict of interest but this is the way I put in place, or these are the ways I put in place to mitigate it. Mm. On this note, right, how should an, a client advisor actually com- um, communicate you know, to the clients their compensation method to ensure mm. that there is good uh, transparency and understanding? I think firstly, the company must communicate. I mean, that's what we do. Mm. Right? We put it out openly the way we compensate our advisors. But of course, when the client comes, um, the client advisor can always tell the client that, look, you know, I know that there are potential conflict of interest uh, and this is the way I'm paid and this is the way we mitigate or this is the way I mitigate conflict of interest. Um, how uh, 
the compensation structure is can also be in the letter of engagement, mm. right? So that when the client signs the letter of engagement, client knows very clearly how the advisors are compensated. And if there are potential conflict of interest that no matter what you do cannot be mitigated, I think as a professional, right, uh, we should just surface it and say, okay, look, there is this potential conflict of interest. I may not be able to mitigate fully. I, I will let you know. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, as a professional, that's what uh, one should do. Mm. I think being transparent is, is the best. So at least, it, you know, it, it builds up that relationship with the client to show that you can trust yeah. the client advisor. Yeah, I think the, the professionals like the, the lawyers, the accountants, they're mm. very aware of this, right? Yeah. If there's a potential conflict of interest, they try their best to avoid it. Yeah. But if they can't, they will surface it out. Uh, I see on the boards of uh, uh, various organizations uh, and during discussion, if I know that I'm conflicted, I will have to put up my hands and say, okay, look guys, I can't vote on this, mm. right? Because I'm conflicted. So that's the only right thing to do. Um, the worst thing is to try and fight it and say, no, 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 no conflict, you yeah. know. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you know me, Jean, you know each other so well, trust me, you know, whatever uh, I recommend to you, surely I have your interest at heart, you know. Uh, that is not being professional, right? Even if I know you for the last 20 years, um, if you are my client, then I think I owe you that duty mm -hmm. of care to tell you that, look, I'm conflicted in this way. Yeah. I'm trying my best to mitigate it. Uh, but this small area, I can't. And you should know that I can't. Right? And you should question me more. Mm. Right? So I think that's just, that's just being professional. Yeah, I think one should, should also be open to questions. Yeah, and just answering it you know, up front. Yeah, I think over time, you, I think even your clients can tell that you are being honest and transparent, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we are dealing with uh, clients' monies and we are planning for them for the next 20, 30 years. Mm. And the result of what we do sometimes may only be seen 20 years, mm. right? So it's a very serious decision that the client is making to use our services. Mm. So I think that clients has every right, the client has every right to actually ask as many questions as possible to make sure that their interests are looked after. Okay, sure. So in terms of, you know, because you have been in this industry for so long, right? How have the, you know, how have the compensation compensation methods change over the years and what factors actually push these changes? Mm, honestly, nothing much has changed or rather, I mean, there are changes but I wouldn't say that uh, we have made a quantum leap. Mm. I mean, since I started in this industry about 25 years ago, I think I've travelled almost every year to the, some of the developed countries out there. When I say developed countries, I really mean those countries that are very advanced in the area of advisory. Australia um, and the US, yeah. particularly US. Uh, the Providence model is modeled after the US and uh, Australia. And when I go to these countries, uh, I think they have made a lot of uh, sort of like advancement. Uh, more and more of the advisors are going the fee-only way. Now, of course, there are still commission-based advisors out there, right? But uh, there is a huge community of uh, fee planners uh, out there. When I started in this industry in 1998, mm. uh, back then, uh, fee planning, unheard. 2001, when we started, we decided that we will go uh, fee-only. I thought that five years later, we'll see a lot of uh, fee-only advisors coming up because we started it, right? Yeah. Uh, but until today, really, there are very few fee-only advisors. 
And I mean, there are some who are fee only, but maybe specialize in investment management. But uh, in terms of comprehensive wealth advisory that does everything from insurance to investments to legacy, comprehensive. Mm. Uh, I think we are probably still the only uh, fee only wealth advisors as a firm. Uh, most of the advisors out there are still commission based. Uh, increasingly, maybe we see a bit more fee based advisors. But the bulk of our client advisors in Singapore, the advisory firms in Singapore, they are still commission-based. Now, again, I'm not saying that if you are commission-based, uh, you are no good, right? You are unscrupulous and dishonest. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the model hasn't changed uh, very, very much. I think it's difficult. Uh, to be a fee-only advisor requires a lot of changes, not just in terms of the client advisor's mindset, uh, and the way an advisory firm practices, a lot of changes has to happen. But we have a lot of incumbents and it's not easy. Some of these incumbents, uh, they have 1,000 advisors, uh, 800 advisors. It's a big shape, yeah. right? If I'm a CEO of the, those firms, I will find it very difficult actually to change, right? If I go out there and I stand and say, okay, guys, we're going to go fee only and all that. I mean, the 800 advisors, not everyone is ready. Not everybody wants to do it, right? Some people want to serve the man in the street, right? Mm. And they'll be looking at their bosses and say, are you kidding me? You just want to change that overnight. So sorry, I'm going to leave and go to another firm, mm. right? So it's not easy. Hi listener, we hope you're enjoying this episode and podcast series so far. At Provident, we have been sharing our thought leadership content through various mediums beyond just this podcast. If you're interested in knowing more, check out the link in the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter today. Thank you and let's get back to the episode. You know, earlier on you shared that, okay, because I was just thinking about, you know, different compensation methods. How are they suitable for the different people? Mm. So like you shared that, okay, the commission base are more suitable possibly for the men on the street. Yeah. Whereas um, like fee only is for people who have more sophisticated needs. Mm. Anything else you might want to add on to that to let the listeners better understand like, okay, if they have such needs, okay, maybe they should go to, you know, go to a fee only, fee based or commission based. I think if you are just looking to do a transaction, mm. right, or you are just looking to do one area uh, of the entire uh, wealth planning practice, right? So what I, what I mean is that, okay, maybe you are very savvy in investment, right? And you can do investment on your own. Mm. Um, and all you want to do is perhaps you just want to buy insurance, mm. right? And that's an area you're not familiar with. Well, maybe the, a more low-cost way is just go to a commission-based advisor and buy it right? because you don't yeah. really need complicated planning. Yeah. Right? You just need to go there and say, look, guys, I need $1 million coverage. Mm. And if you have been listening to our podcast or you've been reading articles elsewhere and you believe that term is actually useful for most situations, then all you need to do is just to the, go to a commission-based advisor and say, look, I really just want a term. Yeah. Cover me until I retire. Mm. Right? And uh, I need $1 million. Yep. Uh, you, maybe you can tell the advisors to do a quick assessment to see whether one million is enough and just buy it. That probably will be uh, pretty straightforward, right? Uh, or uh, you, you don't think that you need very complicated planning and all you want to do is to execute investments. Um, then don't come to us, right? Uh, because if you come to Provident, you are not getting the best value out of us because we are really planners, right? Mm -hmm. And we put 
all your different areas of your financial life together. We yeah. try and understand not just your financial needs, but we are really trying to understand your life decisions. We're trying to get you to make important life decisions and translate those life decisions into a wealth plan. Mm. But if all you need is, no, I don't need all that. I can actually do all those things myself. All I want is I just want to invest my money. Then open a broker account. You can just buy ETFs on your own. Or if you don't mind paying a bit more money, you can go to the robots, right? Mm. Because I mean, the robots are more expensive than if you buy ETFs on your own, right? So then you don't need to uh, use advisors or advisory firms uh, like us. So it's not just a, a matter of uh, should I go to this mm. person, not conflicted, the other person more conflicted. I think it is about your needs. Mm. If you think that you can do most things yourself and you just want one area of service, then yeah, go straight. And even if this person is commission-based, if you can find a guy you trust and you can question and you yeah. can ask this guy, hey, how do you mitigate all your conflict of interest? And if this person satisfies you, yeah, you can actually use this person's service. Yeah, to be fair, I've come across advisors in the commission-based industry who also, you know, you can tell that they, they also give good advice yeah. and it's not driven by financial interest. Yeah. And similarly on that note, right, I've also sat in meetings where our client advisors, you know, like you say, their needs are not that sophisticated. They yeah. also did, it's not really turn them down, but to explain to them that, oh, you know, possibly you don't really need Provident at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, until then, until when your needs become more complicated, then you can come back to us. Yeah. Yeah, so... so I mean, I I'm glad you said that, Jin, mm. because uh, one thing I will feel bad with is... Um, and all advisors can verify this. I'm not just saying this on air, right? I always tell advisors that, you know, if someone, they don't need our service, please don't take them on. Mm. Okay, because they are paying us good money, but they are not making use of us. I'll feel bad to even open my mouth and say, pay us a few thousand dollars yeah. to get the plan up. And the relationship won't last. Mm. After a while, this client will say, hey, uh, yeah, I'm not really, or rather I'm paying all these things, but actually I don't need all these things, mm. right? And, after a while, they get unhappy, uh, mismatch of expectation. And they go out there and they may say bad things, right? They may say, oh, I actually don't pay so much money to Provident. Uh, you know, they, you know, they, not that they're bad, but you know, actually, I never use all these services. So uh, many times when we get people who inquire, yeah. if we sense and we assess that actually really this person, they don't need us. Uh, the instructions I've given to the entire advisory team is, Give this person a good general advice, yeah. right? And tell them nicely mm. that actually they really shouldn't use us. Right? Not that we look down on them, not that we turn them away, but I, I just don't want them to pay money, uh, good money, when they really don't have to. Yeah, yeah, agree with that. And I really personally have witnessed that before. So, okay, uh, to move on, right? Have you seen any like emerging trends in terms of the compensation methods? Mm. And what, what kind of factors are affecting or such emerging trends? Yeah, so in the US, uh, there are now discussions. I mean, there are some advisors who are already doing it. Okay. But in the US, there are a lot more conversations about charging fixed fee. Okay. Right. So in Provident, we charge a one-time uh, fixed fee for planning. Mm. Uh, but when clients invest their money with us, yeah. we charge a percentage of AUM mm. right, for managing clients' investments. Yes. Uh, but in US now, there are more and more firms, although they are still in a minority, but there are more firms today that charges a, a fixed fee 
for advice. So they don't care about your AUM, right? So they will just charge maybe fifty thousand a year, twenty thousand a year, or ten thousand a year, right? So I remember, uh, I remembered. I think it was last year we had a webinar and uh, someone uh, asked this question: uh, Would Provident do that? You know, charge a fixed fee for advice. And my answer to this person was that no, because actually it's still a very new compensation model. Plus, in the US, for firms that charge fixed fee, mm. usually the fixed fee is quite huge, mm. right? It's not a small amount. No, it's not like a few hundred dollars. Usually, mm. they charge quite a big amount. Yeah. Uh, they're on a retainer, uh, and the retainer is always not just for managing investments. It's also to answer any questions that client may have. Okay. Right. So that's one. Secondly, um, maybe for people in Singapore, they may misunderstand that. Uh, fixed fee means regardless of AUM, ten thousand uh, dollars. Even if the AUM goes up to ten million, ten thousand dollars. Even the AUM goes up to fifty million, ten thousand dollars. It's not like that in the US. Um, they still charge. Yes, they charge a fixed fee, but they charge it for a range of AUM, right? So maybe let's say uh, if it is a one to two million, right? They may charge ten thousand dollars, and once your AUM exceed two million. Right, say you are two point one to uh, five million, they will charge like twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So there's still tiering. It is actually still a percentage. Okay. It is just being rewarded into fixed fee, right? Of course, as you invest more and more, it becomes cheaper, mm. right? But if you are just starting at say, let's say the 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 fixed fee is one to two million, is ten thousand, right? If you are starting at one million, you are actually subsidizing those people who are investing two million dollars, mm. right? Because you are you are paying more, right? You are you are ten thousand of one million instead of this person ten thousand or two million, right? So um, there's no end to that debate on whether it is fair or mm. not fair. I think most importantly, regardless of the compensation model, now. Not that I'm not. I'm not that I'm saying that it's not important to understand compensation model. I mean, we spend like what the last 20, 25 minutes talking about this. Obviously, it's important. But after all said and done, once you have decided on the model that you want to go for, yeah. the question is no longer how much I pay. The question really is what value are you getting? I mean, you can pay nothing, and you get lousy advice that advice is going to cost you mm. right but if you pay let's say a lot of fees but the value that you get from the advice the benefit that you're going to get from the advice far outweigh the cost that you pay then the advice is valuable mm. right so we should not just look at the amount of fees it's important yes I'm not saying not important. Yes, we still need to know how much fees I pay. I try and keep my costs as low as possible. I'm looking for someone that's able to mitigate all conflict of interest. But after all that is done, we want to ensure that you're looking for someone that's able to give you value. I think that's more important. Yeah, I think it's definitely a food for thought for the listeners. And I think that whatever we have shared and we have discussed on this episode have been quite, in- I would think they have been quite insightful for the listeners, especially those who are not in the financial advisory industry. Yeah, and uh, I know Jean, you did ask me this question, but and you're about to end the podcast, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I have to interject <laughs> because I suddenly remember one thing that I wanted to say. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean as a fee-only firm, yes. it is not just about mitigating conflict. I realized that I mean I've been a commission-based advisor before for three years in my career. Mm. Uh, before I switched completely to fee-only, but I realized that uh, when I made provident fee-only, the whole entire focus changes. Um, we focus a lot lesser on commissions. We no, we focus zero on commissions, not a lot lesser. We don't focus on commissions anymore. We begin to focus on quality of advice. I'm not saying commission-based people don't, but for fee only, it's even more important because now I charge a fee. Somehow, psychologically, the expectation from the client is that if I pay a fee for advice, I expect to get very good advice, right? So we begin to focus a lot on competence, quality advice, because we know the client will demand it. We even focus on the type of products, investment instrument that we bring on board mm. for clients. And just before the podcast, we were just talking at the background about uh, how in preparing for this podcast, it caused me to remember that between 2004 to 2015, I actually went to Vanguard Singapore. Uh, there were four CEOs during that period. I went to each one of them, right? And literally begged them to bring uh, Vanguard for the retail market, mm. right? I said, please bring, please bring. Okay, because we don't have low-cost uh, index unit trust for the retail market. And each time I got turned down, the CEOs, the various CEOs said, well, I know I, I, they said, no, we understand you, but you know, we, we just cannot bring it in because there is no demand. And no demand meaning that uh, very few advisory firms will be willing to use us. That was in 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and until today, there aren't many, many low-cost funds around. What we see out there is still the high-cost actively managed funds. Right? And the reason why we are using low-cost non-forecasting fund is because from evidence it's been shown that these funds they do better than the active ones most active managers do not beat the market for those that do they do not beat it consistently so we want to use the correct instrument and our focus is no longer how much trailer i get because we are not taking trailers right our focus is which instrument is best for our clients Mm. so when we turn fee only that was my realization that our focus uh, went to the type of instruments that we use for our clients, the quality of our uh, service, the quality of advice, uh, how deep our advice should be, because now clients pay us a fee. So that's the advantage of uh, being a fee-only firm. It's just that, yes, the major disadvantage is that uh, maybe those people whom are lower income, they can't gain access uh, to us. Mm. Yeah, but well, uh, they don't need us anyway, right? I mean, their situations are a lot simpler. Mm. Uh, they don't need to pay us uh, anyway. But maybe I use this podcast to sort of like do a a, a small little, uh, what do you call that? La? Advertisement. La, that <laughs> we are launching something <laughs> okay. uh, in a few weeks' time. It is our fifth attempt as a provident group to try to serve the man in the street. We know we can't. For the last 20 years, we can't. And the things that we did, we try to do um, is we do a lot of education. I go on mass media and a lot of the 
stations that I go to, they're not even for the affluent, right? They are really for men in the street. Mm. Some of them are for taxi drivers to yeah. listen to because that's as much as I can do, right? Mm. And we've been doing that for the last few years. I've been involved in so many money sense uh, talk and all that. Yeah. And even as I'm speaking, right, this morning there is a recording of um, uh, that I did for Azealia. Mm. Uh, it's on investing and it's really for the men in the street. Yeah. So we do a lot of that. But... Um, we really would like to give advice, uh, good advice to the men in the street. So in a few weeks' time, we're going to launch. It's our fifth attempt in trying to be able to advise the men in the street. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast, watch out for it. Yeah, And hopefully this time around, this fifth attempt will really be successful because we have failed the last four times. Um, this attempt will be successful. We can really be able to give them that providence philosophy of advice. Uh, to the man in the street. Exciting. I hope everyone stay tuned to see what what Chris is talking about. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that Chris, you know, even though in Providence we are serving the affluent, more high net worth, but on the side he's also giving a lot of talks and, you know, like he say, recordings to educate the men on the street. Yeah, that I feel is very important. Yeah. So anyway, I thanks Chris for joining us. That's all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on the various compensation methods for wealth advisors. And I hope it brought you many more valuable insights in the, of the financial industry. So, and once again, if you like our episode, please do rate and like us on the various podcast platforms. And I'll see you in the next episode. All analysis, views, opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability or any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, broadcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited. Thank you.